Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Welcome to Script Shop. If anyone's in the mood to feel something, mm-hmm. you've come to the right place. Hi there. My name is Jack. And I'm Allison. And I like to pick scripts that make people cry. Well, I mean, yes. And congratulations to you for fulfilling your duty and uh, to y'all for being here, for coming to the right place. This is Script Shop. This is our podcast where we talk about uh, scripts with the screenwriters who wrote them. Yes, it's so cool because we go straight to the source. We go to the person that wrote this script and we try to open up their heart and pull out the stories of why they wrote it and what it means and why they're the only person in the whole universe of all time in every dimension that could have written Mm. this particular story. That's right. We go into their minds. We go into their hearts we go into their stomachs maybe depending on the day and uh, we try to get as much out of them as we can today uh, we're lucky enough to have Matthew Hoke who is our guest who wrote a script called Thoughts and Prayers it's a 92 page feature it's a socially relevant and delicately emotional mother story Um, oh gosh it's and I'm just gonna put this up there as a disclaimer Mm -hmm. but there is a school shooting in this script which we do think is handled very well Um, and it's really not it's not as much of a bummer as it sounds just saying that so if if you have it in your heart cuz i know there's a lot of things that are going on in the world right now but if you have I mean, it like, in your heart to sit through this interview with us it's going to be worth your it's going to be worth your listen for the record we are recording this right now in cincinnati ohio in early september and there was a relatively recent mass shooting here in cincinnati <sighs> it wasn't school related right. uh, but nonetheless it's it, it's something that it, it perennially uh, tends to show up in people's lives, in the news, and so that's where we're coming to from this. That being said, also, uh, Matthew wrote a very specific script, which right. I, we've talked before. I've got a bit of an issue with downers. You yeah. know it's not my thing. Yep. Uh, this was not upsetting in that way for me to read. We're putting too many disclaimers on things, but just so people know, yeah, we're not going to be like dragging our feet this whole time. Right. So uh, if you haven't read the script, go read it because it's amazing. And we're going to get into it there. But before we get into that conversation, yes. we just want to remind you guys that if you're interested in continuing the conversation with us yes. outside of this hour, um, you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are on all of those via social media. Script Shop Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think on pretty much all of them. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Script Shop Show on all those for sure. And as far as Twitter goes, individually, we not only have Script Shop Show, but Allison, you are on Twitter as... Your Bestie Westie. And I am there as Script Shop Jack. Yep. And you can find us in talk with us in those ways yeah and that's pretty fun you can also um give us your money on patreon.com yeah you sure can so so if you're interested in supporting the show and supporting us as artists and producers supporting artists and producers then you know get on there and throw your lunch money at us we'd love it i also want to give a quick shout out to iHeartMedia cincinnati we we mentioned them in the credits but every now and again i do want to give them a shout out they provide us with the facilities to record this show yeah. uh scott reinhardt and everybody here at iHeartMedia cincinnati thank you very much uh for the use of the equipment and the facilities and if you like the way the show sounds 
and you want to leave us a review telling us your favorite things about the show. Yes, only those things. <laughs> As Jax mentioned that he's a bit of a flower when it comes to criticism. Mm-hmm. I'm a soft touch, and I can't <laughs> handle criticism from strangers all that great. So just be nice, and everything's cool. Do you remember the time that that kid, you were hanging out with Scott Crosby at the barcade, and he called you Ed Sheeran? <laughs> yeah, that was upsetting. Go If you guys haven't heard that, go back to the remotely working episode and listen to Scott Crosby and Jack Crumley talk about mm-hmm. how <laughs> some we, young kid. We had gone out the night before and we went to a bar and this rando and by kid, she means someone in their 20s because we were at a bar wandered up to me and like basically like with finger extended pointed at my face and just basically said Ed Sheeran and then smirked <laughs> like I'm supposed to know what to do with that. Uh... And it was very off-putting and I, I'm interactions with me are not great and that was a, a low point for sure. Which is so terrible because you're the nicest dude. I mean, it's okay. No, I'm a very judgy. I've got very quick reactions that I'm not proud of. Yes, but that's okay. And I also don't look anything like Ed Sheeran. We both have red hair. That's the extent of the similarities between our. Kind of has red hair, I guess. Yeah, we both do. It's fine. So leave us a review if you want to talk about our banter. And (laughs) if you love that interaction just now, (laughs) and if you are interested in getting your script on the show, there are so many ways that you can do that. You can go to script at least two. Well. Yeah, I mean, what if they just walked and handed us a script like well, people used to? Yeah, there's at least two. Drop. And then if you, if you want to track us down and shove a hand in There thing, are a lot of ways. You don't have to do it just the ways we suggest. Right. But those are the easiest ones, which you can go to filmfreeway.com and look up Script Shop and submit it on there. Or you can go to scriptshopshow.com slash submit and or submit there. if you want to service a subpoena, but it's actually your script, <laughs> certainly you have, you, have, you have options there as well. Oh, gosh. All right. Cool. So we are lucky enough to have Matthew Hoke with us, who wrote us this script for today. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Let's go to Matthew right now, who's patiently waiting for us in New Jersey. Matthew, you're in the Garden State? I am currently in the Garden State, yes. The most densely populated state in the country, if I'm not mistaken. New Jersey. I think that's right. Hmm, I didn't know that about Jersey. Fun little fact. Let's let's start off with fun facts, Joe. <laughs> Why is New Jersey called the Garden State? That's like, I mean, there are there are very nice parts of it. Uh, if you take the Turnpike, you will not see a single one of them. Yeah, because that's uh, where all like the, the all the flavor processing centers are. That's such a major part of the U.S. Now, along the Jersey Turnpike, there's so many corporations and factories and science labs that are just making flavors all the time along <sighs> that way. <sighs> I just Googled this. Why is New Jersey called the Garden State? (laughs) Okay, what'd you find? Okay, are you ready for a lesson in your your home, (laughs) Matthew? Okay, it says, if you type in, why is New Jersey called the Garden State? Abraham Browning of Camden is given credit for giving New Jersey the nickname the Garden State. Browning said that our Garden State is an immense barrel filled with good things to eat and open at both ends. The name stuck ever since. That is from the www.state.newjersey.us slash New Jersey slash about slash facts. That's I have to say that because if it's on the internet, you have no idea literally where it's coming from. So if that sounds good to you, Matt, that's that's good with us. I will take it. It sounds good. Mm. So uh, New Jersey, how long have you been living there? Well, I grew uh, I grew up in Jersey, and uh, I've spent the last about eight years in Los Angeles. Mm. And I am transitioning back to the East Coast, I think. Well, oh. Jack, after you, no, sir. No, I think we both have the same thing. <laughs> what was your first motivation to move uh, out west in the first place? Out west in the first place was uh, acting and writing. You know, I know that sounds odd. <laughs> yeah, what a, what, a, what, a, what a strange choice. Yeah, who'd have thunk? <laughs> I know. 
Um, but yeah, so, uh, did a cross country trip with, uh, one of my best friends from college and, uh, moved to LA. Okay. So why don't you go to New York instead? It's much closer. Precisely because of that reason. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was so much closer to where I grew up that it, I could always go to New York where I couldn't mm-hmm. always just get out to LA. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, why are you having your return now? What's changed for you? What was your experience like in LA? Um, I, I mean, a lot of, uh, my close friends are on the East coast and I figured that it was time to maybe give New York a little bit of a try and keep the door open to LA if I needed to do a a water, a water bottle tour and, uh, see, I don't know. I've, I've written a lot here and I kind of get inspired by the city. Not to sound cliche. There's there's so many like I'm just running through my head now like TV shows and and movies that are specifically set in L.A. because people find that setting as inspirational and the idea of finding New Jersey inspirational I think is somewhat unique. Well, yeah, and it's uh, I mean it's inspirational to me. I don't know if it would like there there is an aspect of the L.A. culture where everyone is striving to create because it's such a I mean it's all it's ubiquitous in the city. There's it's mainly that industry, whereas multiple other cities have various industries. Not that L.A. doesn't have anything else. But so, like, I remember coming back here, going to a coffee shop, and it feeing weird that not every table was talking about a script or an audition. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like coming back to Earth almost, right, instead of being stuck in that specific world. Yes, which has its pros and cons, because that world also definitely inspires, hopefully, one to create and keep moving forward in the world. So making the trip from Jersey to LA and then from LA back, was there more of a focus? You said you were, you're a writer and an actor. When you first went to the West coast was, did you have more of a focus on wanting to write versus wanting to act? And then was there more of a focus on one or the other when you came back or is it open for both? Um, I would say probably after about two years in LA acting kind of, took a backseat okay so it was kind of equal when i when i went out and then i've acted since then in things i've written but it's mainly been um a writing goal getting out there via that Mm -hmm. Hmm. when okay what kinds of things do you normally write about Mm -hmm. okay that's a good um so normally i tend to write like comedies Mm -hmm. oh or um, like dark comedies. Um, I feel like tonally one of one of my favorite movies is Wonder Boys. Mm-hmm. Also one of my favorite books. It was a 2000 release. I didn't. Most people have not seen Wonder Boys, but um, or like Ingrid Goes West mm-hmm. was one that I really enjoyed. Okay, like that kind of quirky, dark but funny. Hopefully, mm-hmm. is t- what I tend to lean towards. That can also be sometimes in the indie circuit or lower budget. Why do you think you have that like preference? Why do you like kind of this quirky, dark stuff? Um, I think you can get into characters. They can they take the front seat versus a high concept. Mm-hmm. And I feel like right now, studios and mainstream is very like on spec, especially. Very, very high concept, unless there's an okay. IP or, or or a book already. Mm-hmm. Well, and as a writer, and as a writer and an actor, how much of like knowing what you're capable of 
acting wise, how much of that informs what you choose to write? Are you writing maybe specifically for stuff that you feel like you could do, or are you just trying to flex that muscle in general? Uh, definitely, it started out with what I could do in mind, and then it I left that, and it was actually freeing because I can write a lot more than I can do. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I can get into people's heads and characters that I just couldn't play. For example, there's there's no role in this script that I wrote. And uh, so I don't know. I, I that initially started it with that kind of voice, and then it it uh, moved away from what I could be in. Mm-hmm. So I also found it limiting. You said you found found it limiting. Yeah, because there's nothing like the cliche of going in with a script and being like, I think this is a great script. Let's, uh, you want to make it? Oh, and by the way, I want to act in it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like you hear them just roll your eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Well, and Thoughts and Prayers for sure is a little bit of a departure. If, if you're used to doing like dark comedies or anything with like a comedic streak, I mean, f- Thoughts and Prayers doesn't have a whole lot of overtly funny moments mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay, so what inspired this? Oh, gosh, I hate to I ask know. that question. I know. In this. That's what we do here. What inspired this script? Um, kind of a, a joking, cynical conversation with friends um, about school shootings and various political figures or politicians, I could just say, um, offering thoughts and prayers and nothing else in the gun control debate. And I was like, well, why doesn't someone just threaten them with the very thing that they love. My friends were like, do you think that would be an interesting script? And I was like, probably, but it's not something I would write. And they're like, no, we think you should try to write it. And I was like, okay, I'll think of an outline. I'll talk to you guys. And then if it seems like something that isn't going to make me look like an idiot, I'll attempt it. And it kind of came out of a cynical, not like joke, but flippant remark. Well, the title in and of itself, there is a there is a cynical, there's a cynicism to the title yeah. calling it Thoughts and Prayers because you're calling out the idea of, generally speaking, the response to such horror that's been going on in this country for a few years has just been people saying those words. And I think the idea of that being the concept of it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I was going for with the title, too. So. And for our listeners, um, that maybe haven't read the script yet, but I know you're going to because Obviously. this is an amazing script, mm-hmm. and that's why it's here on Script Shop too. Um, <laughs> I want to reiterate you. to you're welcome um, that this script is a very specific story where yes. we have uh, a family. We have Lynn, Avery, and Jackson, and Lynn takes Avery, who's 14, to school one day, and then they all go about their lives. Lynn's a real estate agent. I don't think Jackson shows up in the opening too much. Well, yeah, he he works in uh, like a like an IT, uh, some sort of computer programmer kind yeah. of job. And Lynn goes yeah. to uh, pick Avery up from school, and as she's waiting in line to get her daughter in like the car line to go pick him up, you start hearing gunshots going off and kind of distress in general. And then the script cuts away. 
and it cuts to the senator's um, office where he's kind of dealing with the situation. They're going to plan a trip down to is we're in South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. He's, they're planning a trip down to South Carolina where he can go and make visits and kind of do the political thing in the situation. Now he has a family as well, and they have very specific feelings about what's going on. But a lot of those things don't kind of equate into any bigger action on his part, maybe because of his political leanings. There's also this thing where Lynn... Okay, so then we cut back. I'm sorry, I'm really getting into it, but it's it's, so specific. It's important that people understand how specific the story is. It's not just a generic kind of thing. He's telling a very specific story. And what I'm getting to is that the story is really about this mother grieving the loss of her daughter and trying to find the best way to move forward. And and I don't think she knows she's trying to move forward, but she's trying to. And what she sees she needs to do is protect her daughter. And so ultimately, I'm not going to jump into that yet because I know it will come we'll out in there. the course of this conversation. Let me, let me, let me throw this out here. Uh, early on in the script, there is a line that Lynn says, the mother says to her daughter, where she's sort of teaching her a quick lesson. I think the daughter was maybe having an argument with somebody. And Lynn, the mother says, trying to get back at someone only hurts you, which is very much much a theme-established kind of thing. And I think you did a really good job in the script of taking those moments before the bad things happen, because essentially this is sort of a disaster movie, and so much of it is focused on the aftermath of the bad thing. So you have such a limited amount of time before the bad thing happens where you're establishing character beats, uh, you're establishing some sort of emotional connection that the audience can forge with these characters, and that's a big one right there. And I think that you you did such a good job of economically making us understand who these characters are before the bad thing happens because then everything they do after that kind of makes sense because you set the rules early on. Oh, thank you. Was that a very conscious choice of yours? That line, yes, it was. It was, um, I mean, it was a very much of a save the cat choice mm-hmm. about the uh, the theme stated early on. What does that mean, and save the cat? I've never heard that phrase. It's a, it's a screenwriting book that uh, is treated as like the Bible mm. uh, by some people. And um, it's uh, it's written by the guy who wrote Blank Check. Uh, but he is that okay? The, is that is Blank Check the one where the kid gets the Frankie Muniz? Hell yeah! Oh god, I love that movie so much. And yeah. suddenly he's like in a um, castle in like his yeah. pool. And uh, he apparently was one of the at the time the highest spec script seller or seller of spec scripts. And it, it says that around page five have the theme stated by a character. And so I was I was I always try to do that mm-hmm. after reading it because I think it's it it's done hopefully well it kind of can do what you just described for the setup mm-hmm. yeah, this is actually another one of my questions on my list is how did how did you become such a great writer like what hmm. what did that's a good question Well, because you're like i just well, casually I, moved to la I'm to act right now i'm just letting you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh how did i become i don't know <laughs> gosh let's see uh you read a book <laughs> i i read i read a book um Learned how to read. That was the first one. That helps. Um, I don't know. I, I I interned at a bunch of production companies in LA, and I jokingly called it my MFA of screenwriting because mm. I just would do coverage on all these scripts being sent in by the top five agencies, and 
writing a synopsis and passing or and having to articulate what what I liked, what I didn't, and seeing some pretty, I mean, reading some pretty excellently written scripts. And um, so I think that helped. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, just continuing to do it, it's, it's one of those overly cliche type things, but um, I think each script has gotten progressively better. Mm-hmm. How much time did you spend writing this one? This one, uh, I think in total took me three months. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very, I assume that you read, you you wrote it somewhat recently, right? It's a very contemporary Current. script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote it, uh, the beginning of this year. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. Um, who, like who else has read this? And I, I'm interested in like what people's responses are yeah. to this script and this particular story. I've had a few friends read it and, uh. It's interesting. They, um, based off certain views, they think that Lynn is either a hero by the end or a monster by the end. Yeah. Which I think is kind of interesting. I kind of like that. Yeah, she's a very great character for sure. Well, she is, and there, there's such an interesting thing because I think this is framed as such like it's it, it to me it's a disaster movie where so much of the focus is going to come after the bad thing happens and what Lynn's reaction to the bad thing is is so very specific and it, it's so central to what the story that you're telling is. She does something that most people don't do. Her grief turns into anger and rage and she decides to do something about that in a fairly scary way. And it, it, it's very much different from what her husband's reaction to the whole thing is and, and to what everybody right. else's reaction to the whole thing is. Yeah, I don't know. Something that I don't know if someone actually... It, it is an extreme reaction. And... It's interesting to have heard people tell me why they think she's a hero for it and why they think she's she becomes the very thing she hates. What was it like building these characters? Because, of course, you're not a mother, and I I don't know if you've lost a child. And so I want to know, what, what was it like building people who have gone through such a drastic life change? Um, it was definitely daunting because it is a heavy topic. And I, I think when writing something like this, I almost go back a little bit to some of my acting training, uh, which is, which was Adler based, Bill Adler, and it's about imagination. And I almost kind of like get in hypothetical situations and almost because every character, I feel like, as different as they are, has has a piece of the writer somehow, mm-hmm. because it's from the writer's mind. Um, I, I I imagined a I, once I got a visual of like Lynn, for example, I kind of imagined her just in a daily life and just how she would react and how she would feel about certain things. It's it's hard to describe. I think I'm I think I'm sort of rambling a bit <laughs> you're really not i think that one of the interesting things that you wrote early on was about how lynn is kind of more of a hands-on parent with the daughter than the husband is and then after the yeah. shooting happens and they lose their child they're both lynn and jackson's reactions to the thing that happened it it, it, it diverges not only does their child get killed in this incident along with the other kids and the like the one adult at the school but also their relationship gets killed because yeah. they're the, the the ripples of this rock that gets thrown into the water really set them on paths that drive them apart. Yeah, um, and I mean, I did some research on 
families who've lost kids, not just in school shootings. And it does tend to um, usually separate those parents. Not always, but from what I, from what I read. Yeah. Well, you know, being, I, of course, Matthew, I have baby Olive, who, if you were lucky enough, you saw her at the film festival. Um, <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I love her so much, and I've had her for five months now. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how, like, having her and my relationship with my husband has changed in, in lots of ways. But, like, we now are parents together. And so the idea of two people getting to create something and sharing this new position in life together... And then the thought that you lose that is like, th- that's why I wept through this whole thing is because now I have a new understanding about what the possibility of this loss could be for somebody. And I could see how if a couple loses a piece of their identity together, it could drive them apart because who, because sometimes how could you, you may not know who you are outside of being a parent. I know lots of people who that is their main thing and they love it. And if you don't have that, and of course, like children being shot is is terrible and absurd, and it happens. And so that, right. that kind of shock that goes into that too is also part of that like whiplash reaction that I think some people experience. Yeah, and I imagine, or I imagine for this, just this powerlessness that one would feel. What's this? I mean, as the writer and as the person who is crafting this story and wanting to tell this story and, and present whatever message you're looking to, it sounds like maybe you're leaving it up to people to interpret on to a certain level. But what is the sense of like, is there a sense of responsibility that you have to tell this in a, in a in an honest way or in, in, in any kind of certain way? What What's your feeling as you're writing this very emotional sort of story that's very contemporary? Um, I definitely feel like I have to be as delicate and truthful as, as I can be and don't want to sensationalize anything or feel like I'm exploiting a, like a tragic occurrence and like that's going on in this country for dramatic gain or anything like that. Um, so I was trying to be very conscious of, of that and not, not have it read just like, cause there were definitely, I would go back and edit out chunks of dialogue that seemed just a little, didactic and just you know preachy and stuff and i I didn't want that i wanted there to be a certain sort of make up your mind at the end i feel like there's a clear bias in the viewpoint uh that it's a pro gun control kind of story but it explores both sides of the coin i still wanted mm-hmm. to do as best as i could mm-hmm. i'm going to lay a couple more plot points into this conversation for our listeners sure. which is that um so the mother lynn she she loses her daughter there's this the senator who's visiting she questions him saying could you have done anything more to protect my daughter she's very angry she's very angry so the school hosts a vigil that she is attending um of course jack mentions that the the parents' relationship is kind of falling apart. And she confronts the senator at the vigil where he's making his rounds, and she says, do you not think you could have done anything else to protect my daughter? Because she's researched him now and sees that he's getting some funding from the NRA, that he's voted in uh, favor of some kind of looser gun laws in the past. So she's very, very angrily confronting him. And at a point during the story, she goes to the same gun store that the shooter 
that shot her daughter bought a gun from. And within bada bing, bada boom, she buys a gun herself. And there are multiple attempts on her part during the story where she's trying to go and you're not really sure what the the true intent is, where she's taking this gun to the senator's house. She's figured out where he lives. Yep. She's like in her car, staking out their house. Yes. She's going to the same restaurants that he's eating dinner with, with at his the family same time, at. Yes. She's, she's got this gun, and you're not really sure exactly what she's going to do with it. So she's uh, very pointed in this, and at, at the end of the story, she ends up going into his house when he's not there and starts holding his family hostage with this gun. Yeah. And she he shows up and she at one point as she's holding everybody hostage and the gun goes off somebody gets shot in the knee. She says, "Tell me about your daughter." And she points the gun at the senator's daughter. And he says, "What are you talking about?" And she goes, "Let me tell you about mine." Mm-hmm. And he t- she as parents they connect where she tells him all about her own daughter and then she forces him to tell her about his and then she says you didn't understand me when i asked you 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 said you felt sorry for me but you didn't understand my grief and i want to help you understand me and here she is pointing a gun at a 16 year old Mm -hmm. girl which leads me to my next question matthew and this is the part of the story where if you haven't read it yet go read it quickly and then come back because it's time for this it's time for the spoiler alert here so Lynn takes the daughter into another room yes. and shoots the gun beside her and then tells Barbara to not say anything or Don't she actually will. Then Lynn goes back into the room where the senator and his wife are and she lets them just bask in this immediate loss. Grief, yeah. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't reveal what she actually did. She lets it sink in and says things like your there you know there goes your future. Like ugh, it's so heartbreaking. Um, Jack was asking earlier about Lynn's intent in those final moments, and I'm interested in hearing what what you think she went there to do, Matthew. I I think I was kind of back and forth on this while writing. I think she went there with the intention of shooting either the senator or his daughter, and she couldn't fully go through with it, and it was kind of a last minute you know, oh my God, what is happening? And so she just does it almost like, like how you said is imagine this was the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It's the rest of mine kind of, mm-hmm. but not actually killing Barbara. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like pretending to kill Barbara is the plan. It, it feels very inevitable what the script is driving toward, because even though Lynn is very angry and she's becoming very detached from her husband, she's also having these very private moments where she's going to her daughter's gravesite yes. and talking to her child. I have a on here like the recurring graveyard scenes are yes. very poignant. Because that's her not being mad. That's the one time when she's not mad is when she's just having these moments where she's talking to her child. Right. And so nobody else gets to see that in the same way that... So also the husband, talking about this husband, Jackson... There's so many times in the script where you specifically write that he almost loses it but keeps his stuff together because he's with his wife. And the couple of times when he gets to have an emotional moment, a breakdown or whatever you want to call it, is every time that happens it's when his wife is not around, which not only reinforces the fact that their relationship is driving apart, but it also shows that they're just not on the same page. And and they're not going right. to it just drives toward this inevitable conclusion that I that you're building up to. I wanted to play with when Jackson actually loses it and how that looks and 
um, I wanted to make sure that he, it wasn't just two people just sobbing. Right. And, you know, that he felt the need to take on the, going to make sure everything's as okay as it can be role and how that actually worked against everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't help anything. It doesn't, right. it doesn't do anything to bring them together or mm-hmm. heal anything. Right. Their ability to understand each other at that point is like so, they're so far away from each other in the script. Oh, yeah. You know? He, he he can't cry in front of her. He breaks down crying when he goes to visit his daughter's grave. And again, she's the thing that's uniting their relationship, that when they both are at her grave, they're both being honest and open about what they're going through. But they can't do that without her mm-hmm. being there. So we have all this where there, there's buildup, and then Lynn has this moment where she's holding the senator and his family hostage and pretends to murder their child as a way to really drive home. Now you understand what I'm feeling, and we should probably jump into yeah. the scene that we're going to read because it's the big aftermath of that. Okay, so uh, Matthew, we'll be back with you in just a few moments. and Okay. Because we're going to have a lot more questions after this. Yeah. All right. And listeners, we're going to do... Uh, a scene reading from the end of the script, which actually I don't tend to choose those a lot of times no. for I like if if I choose things that happen early on that set things up or character development and those little interactions back and forth. But this is a really special moment between these two people who have lost a child and Lynn is in prison now um, and Jackson's coming to visit her there. This is after she fake murdered a 16-year-old mm-hmm. senator's daughter. Yeah, because now they've lost everything. I mean, they lost <sighs> their child before, and their life was absolutely in tatters up until the big climax. Right. And now it's even, as hard, as hard it is to imagine, it's even worse now because Lynn's in prison, and Jackson is completely on his own. Right. Yeah, cause, And she is too. Um, yeah. Well, we'll just hop into this. So yeah. Jack's going to be reading Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be playing Lynn, and Frank will be doing our stage directions. Hi, Frank. Hi. How's this conversation going for you, Frank? It's deep. There's a lot to process in this script mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I, I hate. I, I mean, you guys I'm, can't see it, but um, there's there's a few times where Allison's been really close to tears. In this yeah. here, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like a really upsetting thing to think about. It is for sure. Okay, <clears throat> so let me just make sure I'm in the right spot. Okay, and Frank, whenever you're ready. Interior visiting area. Detention center afternoon. Lynn walks to the glass partition, her hands cuffed, her face and arms a bit bruised. She sees Jackson shuffling on the other end of the glass. She sits down and hesitantly grabs the phone and holds it to her her ear. Long beat. Neither knows what to say. Rusty gets fed twice a day with wet food. You just need to put the dry food out in the morning. I know. I'm sorry. Jackson nods. It's unclear what the nod means. You started a movement. How about that? People are using our daughter's name for both sides. Lynn nods. I miss her too, you know. I know you do. A beat as Jackson processes this. I I really tried. I really did. I know. I just needed to protect her. Avery wouldn't have wanted what killed her to continue. She would want it to be different. Jackson nods. Again, this not as unclear of its meaning. 
Lynn looks at her husband. They share in their respective anguish. Jackson places his hand on the glass. Lynn reciprocates with her own hand. Can you promise me something? What? You'll visit her regularly. You'll tell her, I'm sorry, that I tried to protect her, that you miss her, and that I miss her. And that I'm trying to make it okay until I get to see her again and put flowers on her grave. Remember how she loved flowers? White Casablanca lilies were her favorite. Put those on her grave now and then. She'd like that. I know she would. I promise. I will. She won't be alone. Tell her I'm sorry I can't be there. I will. The couple look at each other, a look that acknowledges what will be different, a look that mourns the loss of what was. You know, although I don't agree, I understand why you did it. White Casablanca lilies. I know. I know. Take care of yourself. Jackson nods again, gets up, hangs up the phone, and walks away. Lynn holds her own phone for a beat, and then hangs it up. Interior, jail cell, evening. Lynn holds a picture of Avery close to her. She kisses it. Good night, my sweet baby. And scene. <sighs> That's a lot there, man. And again, it's such, I really want the audience to understand what a very, very specific story that you're telling. You have, you took the time to build up these characters in such a way, and you're very economical with the way you're creating them before the shooting happens. And then everything that else that happens is a pretty solid through line, too. It gets a little twisted, but it's a pretty solid through line. Yeah. And I, I had to be economical because I felt like if it was it would it was too much time in the beginning, it would start to feel repetitive and the pacing would be lost, and then it would almost feel like the the shooting was like too late or just it, it, I think it would have hurt the through line if it happened too late. Well, and you talked also about not wanting to be too exploitive or, you know, gross or whatever. And I think you did a really uh, interesting thing in the script, which I really respect in that. So when the bad thing is happening, when the shooting is about to go down, you've got mom in the car ready to pick her daughter up. And right when you first hear the gunshots and Lynn gets out of the car and kind of runs toward the school, then you cut right away to the senator's office and one of his aides is quickly walking down a hallway to give him some papers and explain what's going on. You don't dwell on the shooting itself. You don't make a big deal out of that at all. You don't overstay. You don't show your, it. Yeah, you yeah. don't at all. And I really respect that decision. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I felt like turning it into an action movie sequence would have really yeah. <laughs> like undermined the whole thing and it would have it, and it would have done all the things I was trying not to do. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about how in in like scary movies, the idea of the monster is scarier than when you actually see it. Yeah. And that applies to this, too. Sure. That for me as a parent, like my imagination on what it would be like for my daughter to die is much. I think it's it's much scarier than if I saw it in a movie. And it really like it makes it all sink in Mm -hmm. a lot more when you start thinking about all the very specific things about your child that you wouldn't get to have anymore if your child was shot or just died. Yeah. Yeah. That was 
actually something I went back and forth on because initially in the first draft of the script, it did show it. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that's the way you went at first. And then at some point, what, what was your, what was your reasoning for cutting that out? Kind of what everything you just said, I felt it would have been, it, it was more delicate. It was almost more impactful to see it from Lynn's reaction. Cause it's a story about like, I tried to make it a specific story and not also just have this carnage of children all of a sudden and then go away. Yeah. And cause I try to overwrite. I, I like editing. We talked about that a lot on this show, the idea of having enough that where you can cut as opposed to not having enough at all. That, that, that's that been a theme on this show almost from get-go. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's much easier to lean something out unless you have uh, – unless you're doing that and you're like, oh, my God, I totally missed this character or this needs – something needs to happen here, and then you extend it. But I think that leaning it out gives you the ability to extend it in ways that are needed versus just having too much there. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you that the one character that we haven't really gotten into yet is this Senator Tucker. And mm-hmm. in terms of the, the, the story that you've constructed for him, uh, like Allison described before, he's, he's this lawmaker that has voted in certain ways that has not been in favor of more gun control. And he makes the argument a few times in the script, whether he's talking to his own child or other people in the story, he doesn't feel like stricter gun control laws would have done anything to prevent this tragedy from happening. That's certainly something we've heard from people in the real world right now. Talk to us a little bit about how you what your evolution was and how you created this Senator Tucker character. I kind of modeled him in certain sound bites and voting history with uh, South Carolina Senator uh, Lindsey Graham. Oh, okay. And uh, so I looked up uh, a lot of kind of the, his the Senator Tucker's political history and backings are similar to um, and things he says are similar to things that um, the actual senator has said or voted on. Obviously fictionalized, not sure. carbon copy, but uh, family life, I have no idea if that's similar. I have no idea about that. But I, um, in, in terms of that, and I tried to understand because there is a reality where even with the strictest of laws, it still happens. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I mean, I could debate some on this, but I think the, someone really believing that they couldn't do more for it is not necessarily always disingenuous. And I tried to make it seem that so he just, it wasn't like almost like a cartoon, you know, right. cartoon evil senator taking a, taking a bag of money from the NRA. I think that it's an extremely strong choice by the end of it. So after Lynn has done this thing where she's kidnapped the family and pretended to kill their child, at the end she's watching, uh, from her jail cell or from the prison, she's watching an interview with the senator in the aftermath of it. And the, the reporter says, you know, are you going to change your position on any of this stuff in light of what's happened? And the senator says no. And I think on some level that's almost as inevitable as the other things that you were building up to in the story. Because otherwise... If he does, that makes what she did right. And I don't think that anybody exactly. could argue that. Yeah, right. And if, I feel like if, if anything, what she did would strengthen his opposition to her point of view. 
Yeah. I like, well, the specifics in this, like the way you make everything so incredibly specific to the main characters, to the senator, what you do is you're not being very precious about a very terrible concept. And that, I think, is really the driving force of why this script is so successful, is that you aren't too precious to make any large, overt political statement. You're exploring an issue, and you're exploring, like, well, what if somebody did actually have a real w- – would would a politician potentially change their stance on these things if it happened to them? And having that idea of full, fully explored out with all the specifics behind it and the metaphor that you draw – makes the script very strong, very social, again, not beating us over the head with the politics of it, but allowing the con- the very gray conversation, um, like so many of the great conversations that are happening in our country, continue in like a very artistic and beautiful, heart-wrenching way. Well, uh, thank you. That's that's what I was attempting to do, so I'm glad that <laughs> Success. <laughs> so what do you yeah. want to do with this script? Uh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, I would love it if it was made as like a small festival movie and have it, if it could, add to the conversation and show that things aren't necessarily black and white. Do you think something like but, this is even too political for a studio to produce? I do. Ugh. I mean... I mean, even even at the even at the festival, when people would ask me, "Oh, what's your script about?" and I would say, once they said the word "school shooting," yep. it's as if they they just checked out, which I don't necessarily disagree with. And just like when I if I read a script now for for doing coverage or something, and and it's about a school shooting, there's a part of me I give it a little more. You know, I open mind considering I, I wrote one, but <laughs> I'm initially like, okay, what, what, what's your angle? So that was, that I think is the biggest issue with the script, but it's also so central to the script. Mm-hmm. Well, that was why, like, that's why I think it was so important for the both of us to really want to communicate to the audience. If you haven't read this script yet, it's it, it is a very specific story that you're telling. And even though generally speaking, hey, what's thoughts and prayers about? It's about a school shooting, but it's very much about the aftermath of that sort of thing, and also how the characters that you've constructed react to it. it, it it's not yeah, just a generic thing. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, thank you. Man. But it's such a politically charged topic that I think it would it would scare a lot of people off. Yeah. It's a tough sell. It is. But I yeah. do I do think this is the kind of art that is exactly what is is perfect to continue conversations because it's specific again. It's um it's tender but it's not sappy at all. Mm-hmm. It's not too precious. Agreed. And so again you do a really good job of like opening the conversation by getting straight to business and letting the characters drive the story forward. Mhm. Thank you. You're welcome. If anybody was interested in getting a hold of you to talk about this incredible script, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably my email. It's written by MatthewHawk at gmail.com. Awesome. And it's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-H-O-C-H. Okay, and we will definitely have a a, a link uh, to that available uh, once we've got your script posted on scriptshopshow.com. Awesome. Matthew, thank you so much for being brave enough to tackle this topic because you did it. You you really, really did a great job with this. I think it was extremely deft. Yeah. 
Well, thank. I mean, thank you very much. I'm very honored to have it received in this way. So, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk to you later. Okay. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, also, for having me on. By the way. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, there's Matthew. Oh. I I think that there's a very unique thing about he was talking about how he's written. You know, maybe have a little more of a comedic streak leading into this, and right. I think that there is such a way to have comedy influence tragedy, tragic sort of things like that. I think it, it gives a sort of a unique perspective as opposed to just saying, I want to write this sad thing. Right. It's not just about that. It, yeah. And he's writing from such a very specific character perspective. I think it really works. I think so, too, that comedy lends more balance. And it's not that this is a funny script because no. I honestly can't remember a single time that I thought anything was funny in this script. Yeah. But maybe like the fact that he has a sense of humor in real life lends more depth here because sure. that perspective is just kind of part of what he's writing about. If you have a sense of depth, or maybe you don't, either way, you should probably send us your work. And <laughs> We're we going to read it. <laughs> we'll figure it out for you. Uh, scriptshopshow.com slash submit is the way to do that, along with uh, Film Freeway. If you look up Script Shop, uh, you can find us on there. Mm-hmm. You can also connect with us again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We love talking to you on there. Um, if you have thoughts about this script in particular, Please tweet at us, and we will talk to you about them. Yeah, for sure. Thanks very much. Uh, and we had it. Frank, is that everything? I feel like I need to check in with you every now and again to make sure that we did all the things that we're supposed to do. I think you're good this time. Mm. This time. <laughs> you said that's so judgy. I like I just this, barely. Isn't it funny that sometimes it sounds like wire. he's being a judgy, judgy, judgerson? And, I know. And I don't think you are. It's such a relief when you're but... like, I think you got this just right. And I'm like, oh, gosh, thank goodness. <laughs> like, it's such a relief. Um. So... Uh, we got it right this time. Oof. Let's see if we do it again. Tune in next week. Until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for